We recently went to Snow Society, but it was not Snow Society. No, a new food and beverage store opened up. It's called Donatsu, and they sell donuts and drinks. Tell me about your experience. Yeah, so we were walking in Little Tokyo, and I was really excited to see what new shop opened because we've heard about the replacement of what was Snow Society. And we had Snow Society from August 2016 to March 2018. And then it took a, a, almost about a year for a new place to open up. We walked in. It was it was really crowded. There's a lot of people there. It was all vegan. So the vegan, the food was all vegan. The donuts were all vegan. Beverages were all vegan. It was cool. I was glad that we were able to visit. So they're a donut shop. Yeah, a donut shop. We got ube coconut, churro, matcha pistachio rose donut, and a Samoa donut. Were they good? Yeah, it was well, okay. I only tried the matcha one. Um, I enjoyed it. I think. At the time, I just, oh, I want to try everything, right? But, you know, I don't really like donuts that much. I think I also wanted to support them. And I was excited to be there. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get all this donuts. You also got a drink too, right? I got a Thai iced tea, which was very similar to the Thai iced tea that we had at Society. Mm, that's, that's a high compliment. So I, I do have to say the aesthetics of it was very, the mood was very dark. Um, when you enter, you see the backsplash of where the employees are like where they sell the donuts and drinks and it was like a black and white pattern tile like all over the wall the ceiling was painted in black the walls were either dark gray concrete or black and the furniture was black so it was it was very dark in there did you feel that it was pretty dark in there yeah I thought that it was dark especially after coming from the bright outside and then your eyes have to adjust to a darker feel inside but it looks totally different from Snow Society. I like that they still had a sign on the wall where we had our Los Angeles sign. They put a little Tokyo sign. It wasn't a neon sign, though. It was like one of those signs that you see outside a storefront, like like just right outside a storefront on the exterior. But except on the exterior, it's on the interior. Right. I felt like I wanted to know a little bit about the story of how they became to be. So when we were checking out our donuts and paying for it, you said, oh, are you the owner? And we were hoping he would say yes so he can give us some more information. But he said, oh, no, I just work here. Okay, so with this new place, I do feel like they prove that the layout is very challenging. Like how they lay out the customer experience from from the kitchen side, from serving the customers, and from the customers just enjoying their food and beverage in the, like, the lounge area. I think the setup and the layout the structure of that place is very limited. So I think it's a challenge for any new owner who does take over that space to figure out like the best way to like sell what they sell. So is this what you were thinking about when we were inside? Because I was trying to talk to you, but you didn't, you didn't hear me. You looked like you were just zoned out. <laughs> I was taking it all in. I was really comparing what was there, what we had as society and what has changed. Yeah, but I asked you some questions or I was asking you stuff. And you didn't respond to me. Because I was thinking about that. So I guess I wasn't in your zone. I was in my own zone and in my own thoughts thinking yeah. of what was happening. You were zoned out. Okay. I don't think anything was wrong with that though. I was just thinking. You you were, you disrupted my thinking. What? Did you feel, did you feel that you were sad? No, I wasn't sad. It was very like, oh, I'm very happy that the, that they have this place. Oh, I was thinking, man, how much are they paying for rent? 
That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, and they sell donuts, so good for them. Did I feel you like that'd be hard? Did you feel regretful? No, I did. I didn't feel regretful. I think our time as society was a good time for us. I think we both agree that it wasn't the ideal space and it wasn't our dream. It wasn't our dream store. And when that does happen, when we do have a dream store, right, Aaron? What? Then we will make it our own. Did you feel nostalgic? No, I, I, there's just, we were there for like 10 minutes and I was really compa- just like looking at how they d- did things. It was odd. It was odd to be there. It's kind of funny. How did you like the taste of their donuts? <laughs> I only had the matcha pistachio. It was fine. It was more matcha and then pistachio and then maybe the rose. I heard your cake class got canceled. Is that true? Yeah. So what happened? It's kind of sad. So our first class started in the beginning of the year and we got a call from the city saying, oh, um, class got canceled this week. It will resume next week. And then so we went the following week. We had the supplies ready that we were supposed to have. And then after that, the next week, uh, we were supposed to prepare a baby in a tub cake. And then we got a call again saying it got canceled. And then the fourth week we had cake class, we went into class and our teacher wasn't there. And we didn't get a call this time saying that class was canceled. And then our classmate who was there, she said, oh, uh, the third week it got canceled because our teacher was in the hospital. So we assumed that she wasn't there again because she was sick. And then ever since then, they... The city just called and saying it's got canceled for the whole quarter. And we, we never really found out why it was canceled, but we assume that she's not feeling so great. Are you done with cake altogether now? Was that just a fad, a phase? I would say cake class is a phase. I mean, we bought enough of the stuff where we can continue on, where Chrissy and I still want to learn how to do cake and cake decorating. I know someone asked Kirsty to make a cake for one of someone's like baby shower. So I hear she's going to like practice making a cake. And I still want to like do it in the future. I don't know to what extent, but I, don't, I wouldn't say like that was it for me. We had a question and I'm very thankful for these questions that, we, that we've been getting. So last time we podcasted, I asked people to ask us questions. Um, even on Instagram, I've been asking people to ask us questions. And we got questions? We got a question and it's related to this. I guess I should just ask you now since we're talking about this. Do you end up eating your cakes afterward? Mm. Okay, so because our cakes take about a week or two to make, the first week we would probably decorate, make all the decorations. And the second week we would make the actual cake and then decorate it with the stuff that we previously made. We don't eat it. In short, um, I think it just sits it just sits out for way too long and it just it's just kind of gross. Kirsty and I do make our cakes out of cake boxes because there's no reason to like make it from scratch since we're not eating it. And because we kind of touch everything and like mold things with our hand and like, yeah, well, we okay, we do make all our cakes. We don't use foam. So we do make it from scratch, but we just don't eat it. We just have it sit there. And after a couple of days, then I throw it away. There is a handful of times that I do make cakes that we do end up eating. Maybe like two or three times. That's gross though. Like it's not box cake. Like I actually make, I make like a matcha cake or a pistachio cake. And I be very, and I'm very careful to make it with good ingredients Mm. and like less molding and like, you know, clean hands. That was a good question. If our audience would still like to send us questions, we really appreciate it. And these direct pointed questions are very good for us. Well, since your cake class got canceled, I guess you have more time to focus on church things. You recently released the new church program. You Mm -hmm. want to tell everybody about that? 
So we've had our Sunday bulletin for like, I don't know how many years. I just want to throw out a number like eight, 10 years. Is that, is that accurate? I don't know. Maybe longer. Maybe longer. The same design for many, many years. And one of the front staff would just change the images and then change the color of the paper. So at church now, I get the privilege to change the bulletin. We've been printing our bulletins in-house, but now since we have the new bulletins, we print it from a vendor who does it for us. So our goal is a new bulletin cover every month. Wow. Yeah, so the Chinese congregation, Cantonese and Mandarin, will have their own cover, their own translation, and then the English will have their own cover with the youth. So the youth will now have a bulletin. What were the big design changes that you wanted to implement for this program? I wanted it to be a lot simpler. Um, We still kept our FCBC logo. I added our vision to the cover. So those are more, those items will be there for the most part. So with this new bulletin, we wanted to make things a lot simpler. Not cluttered, but to the point where if you are a newcomer, you know exactly what's going on. There's the contacts of the pastors. You want to reach out to them. There's an Are You New section for those who, you know, who are new and who wants to learn more about um, how to get plugged in or what our church is about. And every month we're going to have a new cover. So like in March, since it is our anniversary, there's going to be a side-by-side image of the exterior of our Mac, like how it was before it was completed and after it was completed in 2019. Or after it was completed and what it looks like now in 2019. And um, in April... I'm just going to try and choose photos. And even from our photographers at church, they're helping take photos that may help us to communicate what the sermon series is going to be about. So in April, it's still going to be on Mark. And after that, we're going to go through Psalms. And then we're just going to work month to month and see what um, sermon series the pastors choose. Did you get any feedback on the new design? I think the general feedback is that it's good. There are some people who are sad that the birthdays are gone. Are you sad that the birthdays are gone? Nope. I am one person who wanted the birthdays to be gone. There's like pros and cons to that. I think some of the staff is kind of like happy it's gone because, you know, it's easy to forget someone's birthday. And it's a lot less work to have to like input it every single time. Oh, um, the con of not having birthdays is... Um, oh, we, we hear that Pastor Jackson always reads the birthdays so he likes to go around that Sunday and like say happy birthday to them so it's kind of sad that he will no longer know the birthdays okay so that's what I'm doing so let's talk about what you're doing you recorded a song with Warren recently for Valentine's Day Earth to Jupiter released a cover of Beyonce's Love on Top are you familiar with that song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that song uh that's a that's an okay song so Warren actually recorded his own vocals and guitar for this. And what I did was I mixed it together. I think I added some percussion to it. I think I added some effects and we released it under the ETJ banner. At first, I wanted Warren to release it um, as a solo project, but he said that he doesn't want to release it yet as a solo project. He'd rather have it just be part of Earth to Jupiter. And so I made the YouTube title card, and it's up on YouTube. It felt like it wasn't, the sound doesn't seem like a modern type of sound, right? It was like a different, because it's not like similar style as like Beyonce's true Love on Top song. Yeah, this is this is a very acoustic 
rendition of the song. It's not even what I would consider to be Earth to Jupiter's sound. It's more like what me and Warren sound like when we're messing around Mm. on our guitars. And so it was different, but I think sometimes it's good to have something different. And we didn't release anything for ETJ for a while now, and I really wanted to get something out there. Valentine's Day seemed like the perfect Mm -hmm. time to do it. And we actually had this track sitting for a while. And so I just, I was like, you know what? Now's the right time to put it out there. Did you get any feedback on that song? No. (laughs) You also wrote something on your blog for Valentine's Day. I did. I wrote a poem for Mm -hmm. you, uh, dedicated to you, about you. Well, it wasn't really about you. It was more about us. It was more about adoption. It was about God. But it was about me. You, you played a part in it, yes. Hmm. Can, can we hear a live? Can we hear a live? Uh, you mean a live reading? Yeah, live reading. Um, maybe that will be a good idea for my Sound Words podcast, but maybe not for no. SV. Okay, yeah. okay. You know me. I, I mess around with poetry every now and then. I haven't published a poem on my blog for a long time. And same thing. I thought that, you know what? It's Valentine's Day. I'm just going to go out on a limb, try something crazy, Put a poem out there, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. It was very romantic. Was it? It was about adoption. But you did it like during Valentine's Day and it was like for me. You said this is a poem for my wife, Jess. Didn't you write that? I, I did. Yes, I did. Do you not say that's romantic? If it's not romantic, you can just say it's not romantic. I mean, I, 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 I suppose it's romantic. I mean, at the heart of it, I was trying to point, point to God, Jesus, you know? I guess that's kind of romantic. There are... People that are not in a relationship, I'm very aware of this. And, you know, when you put stuff on the internet about being in a relationship or being in love, I never want to offend people. However, I was like a little bit more like, you know what, like this is this is the true me. I'm just going to put it out there and hopefully nobody was offended. Do you think it's wrong for me to think that like people would be offended because of their relationship status? Mm, I think it's okay to be aware of it, but I don't have an answer for that. I'm not sure. It's too. It's too real. Uh, I was surprised that you posted it, though. It kind of reveals a different side of you to the public. How so? You like publicly show people that you loved me. <laughs> it was just sappy. It was cute. I like it. I'm a very deep lover. <sighs> That's weird. Okay, so people who don't know who Sound Words is, what is it? What have you been doing with that? Sound Words is a podcast that I host, and. I use it to interview my worship-leading friends. Recently, I just interviewed Gabe. This was the first time that I interviewed him. And the previous episode, I interviewed Angie. I think this is like season four of the podcast. The first season was me just talking into my phone. I had like five-minute episodes. I I, I tried to... Um, have topics, um, but it was really all over the place. We did it like every day. I did it like Monday through Friday, yes. The second season, same thing, Monday through Friday, but the topics were a little bit more focused. I think I did try to keep it more worship-oriented. The third season is where I started interviewing my friends. I think that's when I got Warren, Philip, um, Angie again, also Endora, also Joyce. I think Ryan was on, on that season. Um, and that's where, when I really wanted to start doing something different, you know, going in a different direction. And now with season four, I feel like, hey, I'm going to take what I did with season three 
and just try to polish that up, really make it a good interview series with worship leaders. The one thing that I that you let me know that I need to do better is I need to introduce my friends better because I'm speaking as if the audience is aware of who they are. I know I have a very small audience right now, but in the future, if I ever want to expand this or if other people start listening to this, I'm going to have to do a better job of explaining who my guests on the show are, just so that everybody gets a little yeah. bit more context. I think also, like, I do like how I did have some solo episodes where it was just me talking or maybe reading some of my blog posts. And so maybe I'll try to bring those back. But for right now, the main focus is going to be on my worship leading friends. That might change, but for mm-hmm. now, that's where I'm at. So are you hoping, like, people will come to Sound Words as a resource for them? Right now, I use Sound Words as like an unofficial podcast for FCBC Walnut. So you know at church, we have Walnut Commentary. That's for the pastors. Me and Hanley have been really taking that one over. Mm -hmm. We have Walnut Notes. That's the one where it's like me, and I don't really like do that live. I just ask like people, hey, can you send me a snippet talking about this ministry that you're doing or what your thoughts are on this? So that's one it notes. And those episodes are really short. They're like five minutes long or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Sound Words, it's not an official FCBC Walnut thing because I'm talking to my worship leading friends and we're just talking shop. It, we're not trying to represent FCBC Walnut. I don't mean for it to be evangelistic or anything, but I do want to encourage those who are worship leaders and those who know us. And so if it does find a wider audience for whatever reason, I'd I'd be happy with that. And I'd like to serve whatever audience would come to listen to it. Worship leaders or just people who are interested in these type of worship ministry endeavors. I will say that from the last podcast we did to now, I feel like I have a better direction of where I want to be creatively. I know in our first podcast, I think it was in January. I felt like, oh, I don't know what to do this year. Like, I want to be creative. I just don't know how and I don't know what to do. And I felt very stuck. And I knew exactly my role at LifeRay and I knew my role at church and what I wanted to do there. And I think even with this one month, and I'm really surprised that I was able to really see where I want to be in the next couple months. I won't say exactly what it is right now because it's still in the works, but I will say that this new project I want to do, it really excites me and it really makes me feel like I want to push forward to completion. I am looking forward to this new project and sharing what I am about to do. And I think it, it will actually happen. <laughs> that that reminds me of another question we got. Sorry, I'm doing the questions sporadically throughout the episode. I guess next time we record, I should probably do the questions like near the front or near the beginning. I don't know if this random questions popping in and out is working. But anyways, here's a question. What made you want to build a house? This is a follow-up mm-hmm. question from our last episode since you were talking about mm-hmm. our last episode. I know it sounds pretty crazy to want to build a house. I really don't know if it's going to happen or not. I think it, it's, it was part of the idea of like what should I do or what is our next creative goal or what are we going to do next? We've been like looking for new houses. Um, Not like we're going to buy a new house like in a month or in a year or anything. We don't have a plan for that. But you know, I've been like searching here and there and like we know what we like and we know what we don't like. And I feel like my interest in interior and architecture design, it makes me want to pursue that in a way where we can use it for our future 
in terms of like how our house is going to look like. And it seems like a really fun project just to do to make something that is us. Again, I don't know how possible this really is, but it just seems like a very fun and exciting project, especially since we're not really going to be moving until like three, five years. So if we are really following that timeline, it seems like something that we could do in the meantime while we wait to move. Is it crazy? Am I crazy to want to build a house? Yeah. Oh. Thanks for the question. And again, we appreciate these direct, straightforward questions. Please keep sending them our way and we'll do our best to answer them. Yeah, thanks. There are still more questions in our queue. I think we're going to have to take care of them in a later episode. Is there one? Is there a question for you? There's like two more questions and they could be for technically both of us. Maybe you should answer one because I answered two. I don't want to do answer. Care? I don't okay. want to answer one today. So what's the point of this podcast? So like we said from our past episode, we're trying to provide value here. And so I think what we should talk about just as like our main point of conversation today or our main takeaway should be about prioritizing the creative life. Last time we talked about setting creative goals. So how do you make sure that you prioritize those goals? I'll go first. So what I like to do in order to prioritize my creative goals is I like to set dates. And so like I like to set a start date, I like to set an end date. And I like to figure out stuff in between. But for me, I need to know exactly this project is going to start on this day and this project is going to end on this day. That gives me a lot of opportunity in between to be flexible and to just kind of figure out my pathway to get there. The other thing I like to do is I like to tell you, Jess, about my creative goals. That gives me a little bit of accountability and it helps me get my mind thinking. You, you, you are a good way where I can ask you questions and I can run stuff by you. And even though you might not know how to help me per se, or you might not know exactly what I'm trying to do, you can help me figure out how I want to get there. And so part of prioritizing my creativity is just making it a priority to talk about it and to get more ideas and to have accountability on it. That's good. I like your first point on setting a end goal, like a time frame. I think for me, I set a time frame by day. So day by day. Like I set a time schedule of like, this is the time I'm going to work on this one project. And this is the time where I'm going to just spend time answering emails. And this is a time where I'm just going to find inspiration. I think for me, setting those goals and setting those limits really helps me focus and prioritize that task for that amount of time that I dedicated to. So yeah, so time blocking really works for me. It really helps me concentrate on what I have to do. And I make it a point to stop all work. And I think for you to just stop all work at seven o'clock. And like after that, no more checking emails, no more doing any work during that time, right after seven, that's like when I'm like clocked out. I'm like nothing, no more, no more work at all. And it really helps me focus for the next day to really start fresh and to start feeling creative again. I think that being able to turn off the clock or being able to turn off your computer once it hits a certain time is a form of discipline and it's a way for you to kind of reset yourself for the next day. I think that rest plays a big part in prioritizing creativity. I know that seems a little bit counterintuitive, but in order for you to get your creative muscles working, you need exercise and rest. So that means you need to be working your creative muscles, but you also need to be resting them. So that way you have enough energy to go for it again the next day 
and the day after that. And if it's a long project, you're going to need even more time to be resting in between. For me, I like to spend my time doing things in other creative fields. For instance, if I'm working on a music project, um, a lot of times I like to step away from that and listen to podcasts or dive into a book. I like to do stuff that's not related to the current project that I'm working on. The other thing that I like to do is I like to exercise. And so a lot of times the creative things that I do involve sitting in front of a computer, whether that's music production or editing podcasts or blogging. That's just a lot of sitting and staring at a computer screen. So being able to exercise or get out there and run really changes the scenery and changes my mindset. That's good. And I think an important part of it too is staying organized. Organized by project, making sure you have everything in one place, even if it's in one folder and organizing from there. And with your whole schedule to-do list, like making sure like that's set in one um, note. I think another thing is just to make sure you're organized too. Prioritizing your goals also means making sure you have adequate planning. And so when I'm scheduling a time to podcast with somebody, I normally try to email them a week in advance or at least talk to them about it when I see them in person, just so we know that, hey, we should try to schedule this and plan time to do it. When you set those time stamps in place and when you actually schedule it, that helps everybody know how serious you are about prioritizing the work to be done. And that will help you finish what you need to do. Not only do I tell my guests to save that time for me, but I also need to ask Jess to make sure um, that we're free and that it's it's not going to interfere with any of our plans. So those are ways that we make sure that our career goals are met. I think I like the question and answer format of this. Yeah, it's nice to know that people are listening and have questions for us. I have a question for our audience. Do you have any creative goals for 2019? 